gentlemen and welcome to getting it out podcast that was poison ruin with harvest that's the title track of their new album ready to drop april 14th on relapse records also on that date they'll be dropping the reissue of their self-titled album previously released on their own so they got a lot going on i will literally pay somebody to describe them to me and put a genre tag on it because i don't know Because post-punk's the best I can do, and I don't know if it applies. Anyway, these guys are on a U.S. tour right now, specifically down south. And uh, after the album's release, they'll be heading across the ocean for a European tour. So you can check them out pretty much wherever you're at in the world. Poison Ruin, the song was Harvest. It's off the album Harvest. And now you know. Anyway, on this episode of the podcast, I've got an interview with Ruan Omera of No Spill Blood. 
You might call them a post-punk band too. I don't know. Doing bad with the genre tags today and that's okay. Anyway, Ruan and I had a cool conversation. Another lunch break quickie, as some people might call them. And you're going to hear all about that and some other stuff you probably don't want to hear. But first, it's the hot zone. Check it! Any frequent listener of Getting It Out podcast knows I like to be real with you right here. I like to share things that I've been thinking about. And this episode is absolutely no different than the rest. One day you're going to meet somebody. And they're going to look you in the face. They're going to lie while looking in your eyes and tell you that Stained never was and never will be a great band. And damn it, they are wrong. Despite what they became, despite what Aaron Lewis is now, at one time, Stained was the best band on the planet. Let's get into the evidence. Let's go back to their first debut album, Tormented, and let's just appreciate the riffs. Exhibit B. Mike Mushock was the guitarist and the maestro responsible for the riffs that you heard both, of course, off of the Tormented debut album released in 1997, an album notorious for its satanic cover art, at least satanic to Fred Durst. Limp Bizkit, the king of counterfeit, knew a fake when he saw one and deemed they would not play their 1997 date in Hartford, Connecticut. The man known to do it all for the nookie said no. Stained will not hit the stage tonight and play with us, yet he relented. And when he did, with his eyes gazed affixed upon the stage in which Aaron Lewis stood bald-headed, tribal-tattooed dude in all his glory, he said, let's sign a deal. And in 1998, on Fred Durst and Jordan Schur's Flip Records, the band's second album, Dysfunction, hit the world, and this bass line hit your soul. That, of course, is the lead-in to the re-recorded version of Mud Shovel, which appeared on Tormented, but had a bit of a makeover 
on Dysfunction. Along with two other singles, Just Go, Suffocate, and Home, Stained exceeded all expectations and went from a band that was just begging to fit into the Boston hardcore scene to the one topping the charts and going two times platinum on active rock radio, whatever you want to call it. The band skyrocketed in fame and in our hearts. But the best was yet to come and Stained had yet to put their full fingerprint on rock and roll as we know it today with The Ballad. On May 8th, 2001, as I sat in my classroom with my $20 bill that I wrote Break the Cycle on ad nauseum, the whole $20 bill written with Break the Cycle so I could go out to Camelot Music as soon as school was done and buy the new stained Break the Cycle album, I, you, we all waited in anticipation. And what we got over-delivered. In the era of new Metal, it didn't quite fit but somehow it did. A bridge between the gaps of grunge, heavy metal, new metal, post-grunge, whatever you want to call it. Nobody could deny that it had been a while since a band had made you feel. It's been a while since I could hold my head up high. And it's been a while since I said I'm sorry. The only thing that Stained really had to apologize for was dominating the airwaves. Five singles, including It's Been a While, took over and propelled the album to multi-platinum success in multiple countries on the strength of It's Been a While, Fade, For You, Epiphany, and of course, Outside. In hindsight, that may be when I hopped off the stained train, but I wish I had been along for the whole ride. Because in 2003, they released 14 Shades of Grey and inspired a generation of stay-at-home moms into softcore bondage that produced three or four movies. I'm not keeping track. I don't know if it's related, but it seems like it could be. The hits kept on coming. It didn't matter that Aaron Lewis is a chain-smoking maniac. That man hacked up hits left and right. Price to play. So far away. How about you and Zoe Jane? Another ballad. Everyone was feeling those lighters. And as I search for a transition into what this podcast is really about, as if suggested and prophesied by their name, Stained had made their mark. Ireland's No Spill Blood is another band that hopes to make their mark, and as their name suggests, not in the same way. It's not only suggested in the name, it's suggested in their sound and their artistic integrity and their friendliness and all sorts of other things that make No Spill Blood entirely different from Stained. And there aren't really any ligaments or tendons holding this podcast together at this point. This is bone-on-bone broadcasting. The cartilage is gone, the muscles are atrophied, and I'm running out of anatomy lingo to loosely tie it all together. I'll use piercings if I have to. Inspired by Stain, let's start with the eyebrows. We'll tease the labray and assume the nipples. That's how we're keeping it together on this episode of the podcast. No spill blood. Recently released their sophomore LP, Eye to the Night, on Svart Records. And I had a conversation with keyboardist Ruan Omera about the band and their new album. And we're going to get to that. But first, I want to play you a song from the album. Let's go with the title track, Eye of Night.
no spill blood. Where's this come from? Well, uh, yeah, we've been going for about 10 years. Um, uh, we've, we've, in that time, we put out a record and an EP before that. Now, there's been a big gap, I guess, between, between that last record and our new album. It's been about eight years, so I can understand why you might refer to us. <laughs> but, um, uh, but yeah, so the, yeah, so this, this is our third release. Their release, and uh, I listened back to all the other material too, and it's all very cool. But it seems like you you uh, evolved quite a bit, changed sounds slightly, you know, but all in a yeah, and maybe in a maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe in a heavier direction too. Yeah, how do you describe what you guys play? Yeah, it's tough one sometimes. Um, uh, we're we are a three piece band, okay, and we, so the lineup is like uh, bass and vocals, uh, drums, and then I play in some keyboards in the band. So it's kind of an unusual setup from the jump. Um, uh, and yeah, we kind of we play like it's it's it, it, overall pretty heavy music. It's pretty a lot of it's pretty fast tempoed. Mm-hmm. Some of it's pretty slow. Some of it's experimental. Um, we have like a uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a, like an a, like an amalgamation of all of all our different influences and tastes. I guess is is the best way to describe it. Yeah. Well, you mentioned you play the keyboards and synths and stuff like that, electronic stuff. How did you personally get interested in that part of music? Because I feel like that's that's several steps from something else, right? People don't typically start there. Yes, true, true that. And I didn't start there when I was a kid. Like I, I, I have been playing kind of like analog synths and stuff since I was about eighteen, which is a good mm-hmm. long time. Uh, um, uh, but I started on guitar, I guess, but I kind of, I kind of, uh, I, I kind of gravitated more towards, you know, uh, vintage synths and stuff just because I guess the kind of music I was listening to and stuff at the time. And, and there wasn't a whole lot of people in the city, I guess, doing like in, in, my, in my friend group anyway, you know, like playing stuff like that. So it was, uh, you know, it was something other people didn't want, really want to get involved in. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> wanted to play guitar uh, and, and stuff. So, uh, but like, I, I've always liked it and I've always listened to music like that. So. Yeah, and the, and the, and then this band is just like kind of a, a, a you know using that in a kind of a in a in a three piece power trio kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. Were there you mentioned like the other influences stuff? Were there specific bands maybe growing up that were playing something similar, or that really influenced and made you say, "I want to start a band that sounds like this." Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, one big one would be Trans Am, uh, if you're aware of them. They're kind of another synth-led kind of kind of act. Um, uh, I guess it was like it was all like that John Carpenter stuff as well, like movies and kind of like retro kind of you, you know horror horror kind of stuff as well. I guess that was that was probably the main the main draw. Goblin, uh, yeah. stuff like that. I guess. Nice. Nice. Okay. I I think that's, that's interesting how that always seems to be for anybody playing this type of music, the horror stuff, John Carpenter, specifically Goblin, of course, seems to be the entry point for a lot of people and rightfully so. Yeah. It's a a childhood thing, you know, I I guess it's, it's like a, it's like what we all grew up, you know, uh, listening to like, like, you know, uh, possibly even by watching movies, like, you know, it's, it's all kind of burned into our, into our brains. Like, you know, whether you're interested in that kind of music or not, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's everybody has, a has a, an experience of it, you know? Sure. It's a reference point for everybody. You know, most people you should say, yeah. 
whether they want it or yeah. not, they've heard it, you know? Um, the, uh, exactly. Yeah. When you Google or anybody for that matter, Google's no spill blood. The first thing that's going to come up is what? Wango. Yeah, that's right. So tell me, is there any connection here between your band yeah, name like, and that? Yeah, there, there is. Like, it has to be said. Like, it, it wasn't just just Boingo. It was like, it was the, it was the. Um, we were big Boingo fans and big Devo fans. We started the band, and also we were mad into the, 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 um, the, the movies that you know, the Island of Doctor Moreau, you know, and the books. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that passage where Boingo took the um, uh, notable bloodline is from the same passage where Devo took the "Are We Not Men" um, uh, quote as well. Um, so uh, just at the time, we, like you, you know, when, when everyone's looking for a band name, we're just splurging out like references and taking down notes of everything, you know, and that was one that stuck. And I liked it particularly because it's kind of referenced about three things at once that that we're into. And uh and I we also like the kind of the kind of caveman, you know, uh no spill blood. <laughs> right. You know, because we were kind of like taking taking the piss out of ourselves as well, but kind you know, saying like, you know, that we're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel do you find that you have to explain the name to a lot of people or do people tend to get the reference? Um, no, a lot less people than I thought. Than I thought would have would have jumped on it. Um, uh, and a lot of people are kind of quite shocked by it. Like you know, even when 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 you, when you tell them, it's like, oh, that's a that's an evil sounding name. And it's like, no, it's not really. <laughs> you know, it, it's uh, um, but, but just just because it has the word blood in it. But like, but like, uh, um, but yeah, I'm 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 surprised that more people don't pick up on that. But like, we have mentioned it like quite a lot in interviews and stuff before, but. It's kind of it's it's gone so beyond that reference now at this stage. Like I say, it's been ten years, and you know we 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 definitely put our own stamp on it a bit. Like you know, sure for sure. Um, tell me about the the way the band started. This the way the band started to sound versus the way it sounds on Eye of the Night. Like what was what do you feel has been the biggest shift between that first EP and what you got now? Yeah, well, it's, yeah, the first EP was kind of very early on to the project, and it, it like, uh, it, again, it was a lot of us, it was a lot of throwing stuff at the wall and see what's stuck. And and uh, I guess the one thing, one element of that was that we always found that you know, like I played like a, a monophonic synthesizer, you know, when you when you step that down the octaves, and then when you couple that with a bass, you know, it kind of becomes this really immense like heft you know and it was it, it like there it, it does feature a bit on the first record as well there's kind of a couple of little stonery bits uh peppered pepper through it and it's it was something that you know that okay i think that we've we've stumbled on something there and you know we could develop that more um uh yeah so like i guess the, the there was a kind of an uh, an infantile quality to the first record to the first tp and then kind of we kind of honed it a bit more for the for the heavy electricity record um and this time obviously having we had a lot of time to to work on this album and yeah. to, to decide what we want to do and where we wanted to push things um and to explore more influences and 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 such so uh it was definitely you know, an intentional thing that we're like, we want to kind of push it into this area a bit more and we want to, um, you know, see, see, see how, how, how can we uh, excel 
in, in in this particular area because it was like like it, it it's not something that I that we see around the place a lot and it's kind of like in some ways kind of our own thing that we can do like mm-hmm. uh, uh and uh I find that it work it like it kind of work better kind of the, the heavier the heavier stuff and I, like and also our, our tastes have evolved over the over the last decade as well a bit more and um uh so yeah it, it kind of it kind of pushed it in that way i guess like the, another big difference between the, that, this record and the last record would be that the, we have a different drummer right so like mm-hmm. the, the lark hay was the drummer for the first two records and then uh he left the band and our, our friend roar canadi uh uh joined and he uh he brought he brought a lot to the band as well in terms of like ferocity and you know he's he's quite a bright uh, uh, drummer you know so like we 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 use that as much as we could as well you know yeah yeah no i and i i can i can hear that um the the time like you mentioned before between heavy electricity and uh and uh, i have a night is about 8 8 years so one what took so long and two mm-hmm. was it co- was did covid play a part in any of this Right. Okay. Well, first of all, we had we had written uh, we 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 working on a lot of material in that in that time, and we basically had a whole album done, right? You know, and we scrapped it as well. So, like, we went back to the we went back to the drawing board. So that that definitely put time on the clock. Second of all, uh, yeah, COVID definitely uh, uh, delayed things for us. Like, the the record was part was in the can just before the lockdown. Um, and uh, so we just spent our time mixing it and stuff. Ireland had a pretty strict and lengthy uh, coronavirus lockdown um, in terms of concerts and even rehearsing and stuff. So it kind of uh, that put, put a put a, a big um, dent in things as well. Because like for a band like us, we're not a big band, and you know for for funding, like it's gigs is what is is what would you know pay for all the recording and pay for the mixing and mastering and all that kind of stuff so it, it kind of it kind of uh that had an effect as well and then then beyond that we had we we had, we had to get a label on board so that like the record is probably done about three years like so that's you know there's a number of reasons why there's an eight, eight year delay do you feel like there was any benefits to that um well definitely because like as i say we 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 scrapped a lot of material and i think that was the right decision at the time uh i think because we so we got to hone our hone our stuff a lot better you know mm-hmm. um we got to i'm very happy with how the record turned out um and how the songs how it's how it's like i think the album has a has a good kind of like arc to it all and that it is a beginning middle and end and like there's a lot of different songs on there and it's kind of, you know, that's what I wanted at a record. It, it, like that, it wasn't going to be just a, just a, a lot of songs just bunched together and fired out that we had a t- bit of time to kind of craft it and get however we wanted. Yeah. You mentioned uh, you didn't have a label briefly. Uh, you did, did the last record on yeah. Sergeant House and now this one's coming yeah. out on Svart Records. How was that connection made? Are these people, was, was this a... Did you know anybody in Sfart? How did how did you get linked up with them? Um, we we basically just emailed them. Uh, um, we had a friend who, who who managed to get us an email um, that that I dealt with them before, but um, it was essentially kind of a cold call. 
yeah kind of kind of situation um and uh i'd say that i'd say that the fact that there was a it was a complete package that the record is completely done and mastered and the whole lot by the time we put it to them uh went went away to, to towards you know them taking us on mm-hmm. um you know they're they're a label that we've been following for a good while now and a lot of our favorite records over the last few years have been put out by them and they have a seem to have an overall ethos of kind of of the the more experimental and left field side of heavier music and to uh to, to what that kind of seemed like a a, a a pretty good jumping point so um yeah we're big fans of them yeah i think you fit in very nicely on their roster uh, like you said, eccentric and heavy, but out of left field. Thank you. That's that's uh, <laughs> that's the uh, that's that's what I expect on on Spark. Tell me about Eye of the Night as a whole. Is there a concept or theme to this record? Yeah, generally speaking, when we're putting together a record like this, uh, Matt, who's our lyricist and vocalist, like you know, he kind of he starts off with it with it with a with a kind of a narrative, like he writes a kind of a story and then that, that's kind of broken down into the songs and it's all kind of tied together that way. Um, you know, like it is like, as you'd imagine, it's kind of fairly horror centric and fairly uh, cinematic and influenced by horror movies and, and horror literature and stuff. Um, but like the, the, the eye of the night thing, eye of night comes into it is that it's uh we're, we're we're instead of like talking about exploring the voids and the you know the the unreal and the the beyond it's it's more of an inflective piece about kind of like about uh as you say about turning the eye on yourself you know and the heart the uh within kind of you know so uh that's the kind of overall feel for the for the whole record um and each of these little songs are are kind of like like different scenarios like the protagonist be placed in and stuff and and yeah it is a that's very cool i didn't i didn't realize there was that much to it um but it makes sense i can i can see how it could all be put together i understand what you're saying and i i like that about a record i like when there's something to it more than just a bunch of random random ass thoughts so that's very cool i'm gonna have to listen to it again with that perspective keeping that in mind you mentioned, well, we talked a little bit about how long this record's kind of been in gestation and uh, some of the challenges or good things that have come from it. When you look back, what do you think you'll remember most fondly about the time you spent creating Eye of the Night? Um, I guess there was a point there, right, where we were kind of heading towards a record and we had a load of material written and generally generally wasn't happy with it. And, you know, it was kind of thing where like, is this where is this is this where the record is going? And, you know, I think we I think we can do better, you know. And then the the, the point where we where we just stopped and said, no, listen, we're gonna jettison all these songs. We're not playing them live. And we are going to try again. And I guess uh uh feeling that when when we like to start from this kind of fresh viewpoint that we could actually produce what we wanted to do that was very, very uh you know heartwarming i guess mm-hmm. to, to, to see that stuff happen it's like yeah this is what i'm talking about and this is this is more what we should be doing so um yeah i guess that's something i hadn't kind of experienced before yeah that's kind of an incredible amount of self-awareness and uh 
just being honest with yourself. Yeah. It's uh, and it's like it's just it, like how it, it always comes back to you know would I be listening to this myself? Mm-hmm. Does this meet? Is is this good enough? In my own consumer, as a music consumer, would like would I be putting this on? Or what? What if I saw this at a gig? Would I be would I be digging on it? And so like that's the kind of this the 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 measure I always hold, mm-hmm. you know, ourselves to. And that it's like you know if it's not good enough. Um, you know, it's not good enough. Get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, I, I don't ask it often, but I, I do think it's a good question and I don't understand when people say no, but I, I like asking people if they listen to their own music and if they don't, I don't understand. I don't, I kind of don't get it. Isn't, don't you, yeah. like, I, I understand not like regularly listening to your own music. Right. But, it, but it has to be something you enjoy, you know? True. Um, uh, like, I, I guess a lot of that is lost through the making of the through, through the through the process of making a record. Right? When you when you uh, so much time that you spend like honing stuff, listening to stuff back, listening to mixes, different versions of it, and stuff, and never mind playing it every night when you when you're when you're gigging. Like, uh, like it's very hard to stay in love with 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 something with something while you're going through all that stuff like if you like like and I, I guess it fluctuates as well it goes through like periods where you like you really don't like what's going on and, and then you take a bit of a, a bit of a break and you, you listen to it again and you go oh actually, you know this is this is doing what i think it should be doing and i think that I'm, i guess maybe i could potentially be, be proud of um you know there's that but like I, it's it's not something I, I cringe so much when 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 like if I'm in someone's house and and to put the record on or put it you know and over here somewhere like yeah I, there is the I know there's a nice kind of awkwardness I know like I I, I know other people friends and bands like they when they be they be party and they would latch on their own record and they be high fiving each other <laughs> um uh, li, li, listen to it you know it's like oh I remember you did that in the studio brilliant you know it's like like I like I could not do that you know um. But like, I, I maybe more as a kind of a reference point, as more kind of like looking forward, like to, yeah. to remind myself of what what's been done, and to you know, but like not 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 driving around. <laughs> That's interesting. I I don't I never considered that you know the awkwardness of it. Even though like I have I have music that I've recorded too, and I yeah I don't put it on. Um, I I don't care if it's on, but I'm not putting it on. Uh, but I do yeah. understand the awkwardness of hearing what you've done. I know a lot of people hate listening to themselves do this, what we're doing right now. Uh, they hate the sound of their voice, you know, like <laughs> they can't stand it, but, but it's not stuff that other people pick up on. But anyway, just talking about the listening to no spill blood and the sound of the band you mentioned, uh, or we mentioned so far that you, you've gotten a little bit heavier and obviously that's, a, that's been to your benefit but is it hard to find a niche for no spill blood or is it kind of nice that you you're able to transcend a couple different genres and fit in with several different bills? Yeah. Well, that's exactly it. it it's a double-edged sword, right? It's, it's like, like there is, there is some, some element of a kind of unique quality to what we do as in like, it's not very common. Right. Mm-hmm. But then it, like there's there's also reasons for for, for that as well, <laughs> especially when we're trying to write to write music. You can see why people don't don't do it all the time, or why it's not a because it's very hard sonically. It's 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 a tough thing to, to balance, and it, it's 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 a uh, even when you're making a record and trying to remix it and stuff like there's there's not a lot of reference points of like of like oh we wanted to sound like this album. It's like but yeah, but it's just completely different, or you're you're, you're carrying so much sub there, it, like it doesn't 
it, it doesn't make sense. So like it, it does make things more difficult as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and and likewise as well. Like when when we're you know putting putting it in front of crowds, like you kind of don't know how people are going to react to it. There's no there's no main stage for it. There's no like. Uh, like yeah, like we we just did a tour there with Year No Lice around Europe, and that was like predominantly metal crowds, straight Germany and uh, France and a bunch of other countries, and we're playing like to like rooms full of big burly death metal dudes <laughs> nearly uh, every night, you know. So like you don't know how that's going to go down. It, like yeah. it, it, it went down pretty well, and people were very receptive to it. But like at the same time, I was walking to some of these rooms, going like, oh shit, what like. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like uh, there's there's going to be like a uh, like a lot of people are so fixated on the guitar as well. Like, um, yeah. like I remember when I went to see um about ten years ago, I went to see Mastodon play right, and uh, opening for them were Big Business. Okay, who are one of our favorite bands, right? Definitely yeah. up there. You know, a big influence on what we do. I, I watched a whole room of people turn their back on on Big Business because there's I was no guitar, the balcony, I could see the whole room. There's no guitar. They were, they were there for the threading and they were just on their phones with their back to them. Big business were belting out an amazing set of like yeah. ripping like uh, uh, tunes and like the, the kids were just like, you know, waiting for the, waiting for the threading. <laughs> That's so odd. Uh, there's, there's so many good, good examples of bands that are, that are just drum and bass that, that really pull it off. It's hard. It's, it's hard to imagine sometimes a band without a guitar, but then if you were to tell me, I mean, I, I know that no spill blood does not have a guitar in it, but it doesn't take anything away from your sound, especially with all the stuff that you're doing. Like, you know, it, it fills all that space with other shit. I, 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 I think it's, I wouldn't, you could probably, I don't know that I would even have known that there's not a guitar if I didn't know. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, like it's, 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 it's not rocket science. Like, it's just like two heavy instruments playing, you know, playing right. like, you know, doomy riffs, you know, like, you know, like it could easily be a guitar instead. A lot of the time it's just that like, like, like I, I play two keyboards at once, you know, like sort of have like a, a monophonic synth and then like a, a polyphonic synth for pads and kind of texture and stuff. And so like it, so that, that allows me to play kind of two, two sounds at once as opposed to, you know, like a guitar player just playing like uh, chugga riffs the whole time. Yeah. So like, but like, like then, but then, but then like there's other things that I can't do that a guitar can do, you know, in terms of like, like, um, you know, velocity and tremolo uh, picking and stuff like that. It's very hard to kind of do that on a, especially when we're trying to like, like, like we, we were constantly like trying to do, okay, let's do a thrash, a thrash tune, you know, and it's like, you know, but the thrash tunes, all, you know, like it has yeah. to be all like, uh, you know, like that's what makes it fast, you know, or makes it sound kind of, you know, so like we have to kind of figure out ways to kind of overcome that a lot of the time, you know, as well. I always assume that the electronic stuff in Europe is going to go over great. Uh, maybe that's just me not knowing my shit, but so you mentioned like going on a tour playing the death. Uh, yeah, like it's a good mix over there, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But it, but it, then like but, but like there, there is obviously a massive market for the electronic stuff and the, the experimental. But like again, but then the heavy element or the doomy element doesn't appeal to them mm, as well. Gotcha. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. like there there is somewhere in the middle like it's 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 too like you know those kind of metal traditional metal intervals that we use like you know like you know the people like the people that would, would be into the, the avant-garde and the, the kind of yeah the the, ex, the electronic stuff don't don't buy that mm. you know what i mean so like there is so it is kind of right in the middle kind of between these two these two worlds so um uh yeah it's uh 
yeah, like like it's not that we struggle. Like people, like we we generally generally are well received, but like some people don't. I've definitely noticed that people don't know what to do with it a lot of times. Yeah, yeah, I can I can see that. Um, you've released uh, two singles so far that I know of, at least the title track and Anvil Crawler. Yeah. How how did those go over? And uh, may, was there more or less feedback than you expected? They went over well. Um, uh, I, th- I I think they're kind of two of the more heavier tracks. Are kind of like not every track in the record is is as kind of straight up metal as those as those two ones. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, I don't know. I, I wasn't too keen on on having both of those be singles, but but it, it seemed to be a good a good call. I think at the end. Um, uh, so like we have, there was, there, there was other songs we wanted to, we wanted to, uh, highlight, but they, they weren't as kind of fresh as those two ones. So I think, yeah, or, um, but, uh, yeah, like, the, the, I guess hearing, hearing those two singles together probably wouldn't give you a, a good overall picture of what the record is like, I think. But, um, uh, but yeah, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the, how they've been received. Yeah. You mentioned you did that uh, that fourteen date tour with Year of No Light, and you got this record coming out this week. So, what else is in the books for that you can that you can talk about for No Spill Blood for the remainder of the year? Yeah. So, well, the next thing we have on our books is a we're doing a, a Dublin launch show in our hometown on the twenty third of March, and uh, with our good friends Percolator. Um, and then uh, beyond that, it's unclear. Um, we're definitely starting working. We're starting working already on new material. We even have we've, we're doing some new songs on the on the tour recently. So that's the next. Like after having that eight eight year gap, uh, that's not something we want to do again. So we're yeah. planning to hopefully record before the end of the year. And uh, so my next my focus is going to be on on stockpiling songs and getting a getting a, putting some manners in a record. Wow, moving on quick. Well, what are you most looking forward to before you move on to the next record? What are you What are you most looking forward to with the release of Eye of the Night? Um, I'm just glad that people are going to hear it finally. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, you know, um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to hear, hear, hearing some feedback from people and my my friends and 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 all that stuff. So. Uh, yeah, to see see how it goes down. I don't know. Like, uh, like I'm, we're, I think we're pretty happy with how, how it turned out. But you never, you never know. You never, you never 100 percent sure. So, um, yeah, like definitely want to hear what my peers think about it and and uh, constructive criticisms. Yeah. Do you like the bad reviews? Yeah, like depends depends who's writing it. I think. Um, like if I can tell that there's some that there's, that someone doesn't really know what they're talking about, and if they're if they're, you know what I mean? Like I've I've definitely seen a few reviews where it's like both they kind of annoy me now but but like when it when it's someone someone who's schooled and knows what they're you know and, and is paying attention to it then yeah like i i do i do appreciate that kind of uh you know criticism and uh i do take it to heart like not not like not in a way that would upset you but like in a way that like you know maybe challenge you or make make you think about it a bit differently you know mm-hmm.
So there you have it. That was my conversation with Ruan. The song you just heard was Anvil Crawler. That was another one of the singles from No Spill Bloods. Sophomore album, Eye of Night. I think I keep saying Eye of the Night or Eye of... I keep, I keep fucking up the album title. It's Eye of Night. Okay? That's what it is. <laughs> and I apologize to No Spill Blood for screwing that up. Um, if you haven't checked out the full record yet, I highly suggest it. It's very cool. It's got cool cover art. Uh, They're just a very interesting band to me. It's a sound I'm glad I stumbled upon. Whether I was late to the party or not, I'm glad to be here. I'm staying till it's over. Again, thanks to Ruan for the conversation. Thanks to you for listening to Getting It Out Podcast. This one, I think we can wrap it up here. Feels a little short, but maybe that's okay. I know the solution. I'll play a long song to end it. And it's a long song that you probably want to hear if you like stoner rock or doom metal or any of that jazz. It's one from Acid King. They've got a new album. It's on the horizon. Can you see it? It's called Beyond Vision, so probably not. It's going to be out on Blues Funeral Records. It drops March 24th, just a couple weeks from now. This song is called Mind's Eye. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.